Well, after a solid run in risk assets where real rates have been falling sharply and we've been seeing US dollar longs liquidating, we're starting to see a few jitters emerge across markets. Now, is this pre-positioning ahead of what is a blockbuster week of event risk next week, or is this the start of a more bearish trend? Markets are slowing down for the festive period, but it's about to heat up in financial markets. We go explore and explore all these factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris West. I'm head of research at Pepperstone, and we're joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be dissecting and navigating all the various landmines that we're seeing in the financial markets. And there are a lot because next week we have one of the biggest weeks of event risk that I've seen for so many, for, for a long, long time. And that's going to hold all the cards for 2023. So it's really worth being, being, being aware of those event risks. And we're going to spell it out for you. We're going to talk about the risks that you need to know to hopefully help you navigate through that that situation as smoothly as we can possibly ha can. Anyway, I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Blake, um, I, I feel for you, mate, obviously getting knocked out of the World Cup was was, was would have been tough for the, for the family morrow. But I guess you're uh, you're all backing the uh, the three lines now as we take on France in the, in the week to come. So, yeah, how much are you, uh, you, you supporting England in, uh, and how much do you think it's going to come home? I'm supporting England all the way. I just don't think your team's going to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, but I'm with no. you guys. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Indeed. But it, mate, it's, it's like a massive week ahead. Um, yeah. I think we really need to just go straight into it, don't we, and just just address it. Yeah, look what the trades we're looking at, and you know maybe take a cheeky glimpse into 2023, which is next year. So I think without further ado, let's go into topical funder. Well, Blake, why don't go straight into, into broad markets? Because, yeah, last week we were talking about the idea, well, I was talking about the idea that we could see some follow-through buying in the NASDAQ. Yeah, we, that, that worked for, for a period of time. We've started seeing equities really rolling over now. What I think is interesting is we go into one of the big themes for me of 2023 is the idea that we're going to focus less on high inflation. I think inflation will come down. There's a load of uh, you know, forward-looking indicators to suggest that you know, inflation, CPI, if we take that, is going to come down to sort of 3 4% by the end of next year. So we can focus less about inflation and more on you know, low growth recessions um, and how to position for that situation. I think the market is already starting to, 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 to price that into an extent. Um, but I think in the session we've just seen, we just said we did hear Bank of America, we heard Goldman Sachs, you know, the CEOs there saying about tougher times ahead. We've seen Apple you know, pushing back on delivery times for their, um, you know, their, for certain cars that they're producing, the, the self-driving cars. Um, and generally, you know, there are some data points which are looking a bit ropey and then there's some others which are OK. Um, and the market doesn't really know what to make of that. But what we have seen is, is, is the S&P 500 breaking down. Nasdaq's breaking down. You know, real rates have been all over the place. They've been moving a little bit higher. Uh, terminal rates sort of sticking around 5% in Fed funds. Um, but there is a, a sort of a propensity to, to do to de-risk in equity markets. How are you reading this right now? Well, I think I think that's exactly what it is. It is a lot of position squaring as we go into probably the most important two weeks of the remainder. Well, it is, man. It's, 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 it's the most important two weeks of the remainder of the year. It, yeah. It's a really important two weeks, though. Well, that's it. So, so people people want to take some some time off for holidays. Um, yeah. You know, if you choose to celebrate it and. I'm saying no, get in front of your screens because it's about to get pretty wild out there, I reckon. So it is. Hey, liquidity is going to dry up. Volatility is going to be high. That's also a really good warning to you guys and gals out there. 
make sure that you are trading appropriately. A little bit smaller positions with less liquidity, more volatility. Don't let your don't let your uh, 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 losing trades get away from you. Um, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to make that back. I think. Uh, so I think you've got to play defense. There's no there's no sense in giving back all your profits from 2022 over the course of the next couple of weeks because some volatility may hit the markets. But uh, I you know I I don't know. I think people are de-risking, Chris, and and I think it is really. Uh, it really lies on the Fed chair um, here over the course of the next week. I think it's about the CPI person. We're going to touch on that in a second. I think what we're seeing is, I think you're right. Look, we've, got, we've had a nice melt up. We've had a really nice rally from those October lows. Uh, we got into the 200-day the moving average. We got into the downtrend in the S&P. Yeah, markets are just yeah, saying, yeah, we've had a good run. Next week, it could get pretty wild. Let's just take some off the top. Does this turn into something a bit more bearish? Does this just turn into something a bit more sustained on the downside? We can talk about the triggers for that point. But, you know, I think for me, you've got to be in front of your screens. You know, stops are absolutely essential. But where do you place them, of course, in that situation? And I think, you know, if you're thinking about going to sleep, if you're thinking about getting some sleep, think again, you've got to be, you've got to be awake. You've got to be trading these markets. So sleep uh, is a bad thing. Just trade. <laughs> <laughs> and stops are paramount. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Which is, which is key. All right. You know, um, I want, I want to talk a little bit and shift gears a little bit about the dollar and really the markets in general. Um, you know, after last week and the jobs data we got last week, you know, the, the jobs data was strong. Economic data here in the U S has been, you know, not, not so horrible, but you know, and, and, and we saw some ISM data earlier this week, the services data mm. was strong too. Very good. And the markets really, you know, for the most part, the knee-jerk reaction has been to shrug off the data. And I don't, I, I, I'm I'm kind of sitting here, Chris, asking myself and asking you guys, do you think that's really too smart right now for the markets to, to shrug off data? I know everybody's looking past next week and everybody says, well, you know, Powell's going to raise rates by, you know, half, half percent and uh, then maybe raise rates another quarter or another couple of quarters uh, into 2023. But whatever the case, whatever it is, we're going to look past that, and the data is going to get worse moving forward, and the Fed is going to be forced to to be a little bit more dovish, or maybe even cut rates, or whatever whatever the case may be. So we're going to just start start buying stocks now. Or is this the case that we talked about last week of FOMU? But at any rate, the data is still very strong, and yeah. I think dollar bears need to take heed of that. That the data is strong, and don't forget that Powell had been made a look a fool the beginning of this year with inflation ramping up the way it is. I don't think he's going to go out 22 buckling over and, 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 uh, and, and saying that the, the job's done. What are your thoughts here about this data not really moving the markets like it should? Lisa, yeah, I mean, it's right? two-tiered in a way. Um, I mean, I did just say that the, the Atlanta Fed, who run the Nowcast model, um, have upgraded their GDP forecast for Q4 to 3.4% from, what, 2% or so. Um, some of the components of the ISM service number they've, they've used in that. Um, they've also taken out various elements of, of the employment data and, and you know, uh, the services employment data to suggest that retail sales coming up will be pretty strong. Um, and therefore, they've bumped up their estimates there. So I think, you know, yeah, the US is, is running at a reasonable clip in this quarter. Um, but you say that, that there is going to be a tightening process that goes into, Q, into, into 2023 and then it will sort of meander a little bit lower. You know, we've still got a few rate hikes that need to be... You 
you know, filtered into the into the economy and, and the Fed know there's a lag behind that. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if you look at services data, it's strong. The employment data is still pretty good. Um, very healthy, actually, to be honest. Um, but some of the more interest rate sensitive sectors, you know, manufacturing, certainly housing, have been pretty ropey for a while. And you know, manufacturing is now in contraction. The Chicago PMI numbers were awful. I know it's smaller read there as well. Uh, but we expect you know, a lot of that, that tightening of financial conditions to, to manifest into a, a slightly weaker labour market as we go into, into Q1, Q2. Uh, and that will probably be the trigger then for the Fed to hold off on rate hikes. And that will call, cause an extended pause. Um, yeah, the big question is, is, which I'll show you a bit later on, is, is, is will we get rate cuts next year? The market is pricing in 50-odd basis points of rate cuts into the second half of next year. Will it happen? Will it not happen? What happens if it does happen? How do we position ourselves? It's one of the big macro questions for 2023 that we will address going forward. But yeah, I mean, there's clearly a two-tiered economy at the moment. Employment, as we know, is a lagging indicator. It's one of the last to buckle. And, and when it does, obviously, some of the other areas, you know, have already moved up. So yeah, this is the Fed's conundrum. Is, is, is having to balance those interest rates when not everything moves as one. And that's that's a hard topic for these guys to get. So, yeah, an interesting one. But I want to I want to touch on, on going into the, the, the week ahead for next week because it's, it's, it is a blockbuster. You said it's one of the biggest that we've seen all year. I, th- I think you're absolutely on the money with that call. So what have we got? We've got the CPI number on the, uh, the 13th for, for you guys in the US and the world revolves around the US, of course, as we know that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's going to be, what, half past 12, uh, midnight, just after midnight um, on the 14th for for for, you know, for us Australians here. Um, but yeah, for me, that's the big one, right? Um, the market is expecting a slowdown. If you look at implied volatility in various markets per day, the expected, the big move in, in the dollar and, and in the S&P per day is actually on the CPI print more so than the, than the, the Fed meeting. So the market is expecting bigger gyrations on the CPI number relative to any of the other event risks. But next day, what we've got the Fed meeting, you know, the next day, later on in that session, we've got the ECB meeting, the Bank of England meeting, the Swiss National Bank meeting. <laughs> you know, you've got the Norges Bank meeting, I believe. Um, and I think just before that, you've got the UK CPI print as well. So it's all it's it absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, I just I just I, yeah. I mean, how on earth do you navigate around that? We could be looking at the market five percent lower if we take the equity market or we could be higher. So, yeah. Right. How'd you do it? What'd you do? Well, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, but you're exactly right. This is a monstrous re- week, Chris. And you got to be, you got to keep your head on a swivel. Always watch your six, keep your stops tight. Don't let trades get away from you. But I'm going to say this, that, you know, from where we're at right now, we're either going to be down 10% on the year, or we're going to be down 20% on the year. When you talk about just the S and P mm. where we're at right now, I think that a 5% move higher or lower by year end is really quite possible. Yep, and, I agree. And and so you you got to be prepared for either one. And when it happens, what whichever way the market decides it wants to go, following the Fed, following the Bank of England, following the ECB, you start to see that market drift. It's important and it's 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 imperative. I can't tell you how many years I've been watching this at the year end, um, especially once you start getting into the holiday week and in between Christmas and New Year's holiday. The markets drift and they just continue to drift. And a lot of traders have this sense because we all do, right? We we like to fade moves, reversion back to the mean. Yeah. I think I've seen things just continue to, you know, uh, snowball in either direction at the year end. And I have a feeling, Chris, 
this might be one of those year ends, especially if the market goes higher, that everybody's going to be chasing it higher yeah, yeah. into year end. So, well, I just want to touch on the CPI print. So I'll just give you a quick, uh, for, for people out there. I mean, we've only had six different economists coming out so far in the Bloomberg survey. Go to headline, 7.7% was the last read. Obviously, it came out below expectations and that run uh, a consecutive run of a form of, of upside surprises. The market's looking for that to now to be at 7.3%, so 40 basis point decline. It is going in the right direction. The Fed want to see a sustained um, move lower. Two readings, is that sustained? 7.3% is, is the expected. Core is the more important read. The market's expecting that to go from 63 to 6.1%. If we get a five-handle on core inflation, I think we rip higher. It doesn't take a genius to think that that's going to be the case. The market desperate to see lower inflation. A five-handle, say 5.9%, 5 5.8%. Yeah, the market rips higher. You're going to see the dollar coming under pressure, real rates moving aggressively, and you're going to see curbs moving all over the show. So, yeah, that's the big one. Obviously, if we were to see inflation at 6.3%, which is unchanged, you know, markets probably wouldn't like that. So if we saw it higher, that would change the script. That would cause massive mayhem in markets. That to me is the uh, the playbook for the week. Um, if we get a 6.4% on the core, yeah, I think you see the dollar spike up, dollar yen goes through it, and you're going to see the NASDAQ rally, uh, you know, come on, kind of big pressure. So that's the playbook I'm looking. That's going to be the most important data point next week. The Fed raised 50, Whoa. ECB and the Bank of England do too. Well, I was going to say, we should just start rolling the timer right now on inflation. As you are discussing inflation, yes, sir. it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm going to, I want you to actually slow down and talk about your expectations of CPI here in just a second, but don't forget we have producer prices on Friday. We got U university of Michigan consumer sentiment on Friday as well. And yeah. I, and by the way, how do you Australians trade data on Friday? Cause it's so late. It's, it's like midnight. Saturday, you know, Friday night going into Saturday morning. Do you even trade it? I don't, but I'm not as committed to the cause as some other people are. To be honest, I was going to say. And if you're doing it, don't do it pissed, right? No, I would never do that. But the, yeah, I mean, look, there's things like payrolls which come out on a Friday night for us, you know, and and so. For me, the big decision is 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 whether or not you want to you know hold exposures over to that or reduce them, um, and so that's where you know things like implied volatility comes in. When the, when you look at what the market is expecting by way of movement, that can really dictate whether or not you want to hold those positions. Because in, in in so many cases, you've got to be in front of the screen, and if you if I'm not prepared to be in front of the screen on Friday night at half past twelve in the morning, then uh, then then I don't do it. You know that said, sometimes you will wake up if there's if, if there's a monumental event that, that needs to be happening. So yeah, I mean this is the thing for a lot of traders. If you are a pro trader, then you you need to change and you're trading day trading, you need to choose your time frame and, and the session that you're going to be trading and stick to it. You know, so that's where you're going to be. So yeah. it's all interesting. right. Well well, you know, going going back to CPI, I do think it's going to be a big deal in it. And and I think all of these inflation prints are going to really factor into what the Fed thinks and how how the Fed chair Powell positions himself on okay Wednesday your Thursday my Wednesday yeah. <laughs> how he six how he Thursday. yeah but it's it's going to be really important I think all of these three inflation reads are going to be super important to how the market responds mm. and um and and you know it's it's amazing Chris that you're talking about you know six percent core you know, or maybe, you know, on, on some of these headline numbers, that those numbers might actually influence the Fed to be more dovish. And isn't that crazy to think about it? Because they're, 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 what their target for CPI is 2%. And here we are in some crazy, bizarro world right now talking about these higher prints. So could you uh, do us a favor and all the listeners a favor? Can you slowly go over what you expect for CPI uh, next week? 
I'll start with the other one. Sorry, I'm just going to go about it. I, I don't think PPI is going to be a, a, a major driver um, when that comes. No, I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I do acknowledge that everything's about inflation at the moment. Any inputs, yeah, we're a bit more sensitive than we usually would be. Um, we might be. We might react to the Mich- University of Michigan five to ten year you know, inflation outlook. Um, the market is expecting that to to, to be unchanged at three percent. Obviously, if we were to see you know, a, a number say north of three point two percent, then that has been a, a trigger for the Fed to to acknowledge in their statements before why they had had have had a, a hawkish turn. So maybe that's something that they will look at. If we get an unchanged reading at three percent, I don't expect too much movement because, as I say, next week's CPI number uh, is 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 by far and away the biggest driver of volatility this year of any data release, even more than the Fed meeting. So. This is the this is the the one that we need to take into 2023. The the script in the market's eyes, the wide consensus trade is that inflation has peaked at 9.1% on headline, and then it's materializing down to about three, just about three percent by the end of next year. Anything that changes that script from here on now, the market will not like that and they will de-risk and you'll buy dollars on the back of that. So what do we need to see? We need to see a continuation of that that lower move in headline, and we need to see a continuation of that lower move last month in in the core number so for me core is the most important um as i say there the market is expecting that to drop from 6.3 to 6.1 percent 6.1 is expected so as i say if we get anything below six percent i think the market will rejoice this script that we know has been validated we're getting more confidence to put that trade on we sell dollars we buy bonds we, you know, we buy Nasdaq in the in that case obviously you know a number above 6.3 percent and that script that we talked about is questioned. The market doesn't like that uncertainty, uh, and they de-risk on the back of that. So, really, that's that's the function that I'm looking for there, Blake. Hope that answers your Sounds question. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, let's go into the playbooks. Let's go into some of the, the charts that are they're on Blake in my mind uh, at the moment. Okay, okay, okay. Right, I'm going to go and have a look at the uh, US 500. This is one that that uh, yeah, it's been getting banded around by a lot of clients at the moment. So let's have a look at the daily setup that you can see there. Um, we have broken out of this wedge pattern. Um, yeah, we've also come into that downtrend that's been in place all year. Uh, we sort of tried to break out of the 200-day moving average once again. We talked about them this, 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 yeah, this longer-term moving average time and time again on the show. Um, but the rejection of the downtrend and now the break of the rising uptrend or the wedge pattern – Makes me quite interested. What what we have seen though, Blake, is this series of lows, um, yeah, that we're coming in sort of back end of November around sort of 39, 36. That has held on a closing basis. We tried to break out. Um, the buyers have stepped back in. So whilst we've got a completed wedge pattern, we've seen sellers off the trend resistance. Um, we are just holding that level at the moment, and that's quite interesting. So we're not. You know, time for aggressive short positions at this stage, in my opinion. Um, but there are definitely red flags that make me quite nervous about this. How are you feeling? Well, I, I am worried about it. Uh, obviously, looking at that break, the weight of the wedge break, it's 3,900 is the level I'm watching going into the remainder of the week. So, because c- remember, between, between now and the time that we do see you next, we're going to be dealing with the FOMC and we're going to be dealing with all this inflation data. And I, I would assume that this de-risking that that you you we talked about earlier is really going to be, be around that thirty nine hundred level. Whether we hold above that or below that, it's going to be pretty critical yeah, going right. into this next week. So I, you know, I, I think if you if you if you've been short, 
you know, you got to be tightening your stops. And if you just entered short, you got to be thinking that there's going to be some support pretty close to here. Um, there are a few things that make me question whether or not the stock market is really going to sell off um, any further. But, um, you know, one of the things we talked about last week is the VIX and the VIX is actually rallied quite sharply um, off of that support. So that is uh, that that also leads leads me to believe that there might be further downside in the. I reckon S&P. too. I reckon turn of the year. If we do get a rally into the end of the year, turn of the year, there's things things reset. I reckon there's going to be some great shorting opportunities. The thing that oh. I want to go, the thing that I want to go long the most right now, Blake, is Blake's grey hair count because I reckon that's going to go up by the end of next week pretty badly. <laughs> so there we go. There we go. That's a good one. All right, Chris. Well, let's uh, let's uh, take a look at my my uh, setup here is the sterling, and this is the fifty percent retracement. Now, I'm I, I I tell you, you know, you guys that look at Fibonacci's, you'll never hear me say the fifty percent Fibonacci because it's not a Fibonacci. It's just a fifty percent retracement. However, the market tends to look at that. Um, pretty, pretty, you know, uh, uh, quite a bit. So you take the uh, the highs, you know, from back in 2021, all the way to that low that happened in Asian trade that, about these times in the day. And we saw that rally. And, you know, as we hit new all-time lows in the sterling, we, we've rallied back 50%. But I think this sets up a good risk reward for a potential short, because what you might see there on that last uh, couple of weeks yesterday is a little false breakout above that high, above that 123 level. And uh, I think if we get much below the 200-day moving average, you know, might see some selling pressure. So what do you think about this sterling right here? Um, it's a difficult one uh, because, I mean, obviously you're still beholden to a lot of the risk-off, risk-on risk sentiment. If we are going to see the S&P and the NASDAQ really make a bit of a dive next week, then you are going to see the dollar rally. So, you know, I think it's one of the things that... that Perhaps taking the dollar out of the equation. If you like sterling, then then trade it on the crosses. You know, trade it against the CAD. Um, you know, trade it against some. You know, uh, some of the the other. You know, trade it against the Noki. Those kind of currencies have been working pretty well. Um, you know, so I think maybe take the dollar out of the equation. But at the moment, you know, it's making higher highs. It's making higher lows. We haven't made a a lower high. Uh, sorry, lower low for for a while. So you know, for me, the the, the trend is still up. It's not really. There's no major conviction um, for holding shorts at this stage. You know, I want to see some of the yeah you know, the three day exponential moving average cross below the eight to tell me to get out the trade using a mechanical stop there. Um, but yeah, for me, the the, the setup on the, at least on the daily time frame where you're getting that oversight is not structurally negative enough to suggest that the buyers aren't going to step in. That's what I like about this is is when 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 the trend goes. Yeah, the buyers tend to step away and shorting, you know, FX positions on a swing basis tends to be more lucrative. So yeah, I, I don't I don't like selling it at the moment. But you you're you're a fan of, of, of taking aggressive shorts at the moment? I am. I mean, I think the risk reward is there. So as long as uh, I've got good risk reward, I'm usually willing to take most trades. Yeah, no, that's 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 the way it works, isn't it? So I want to um I want to have a look at uh I want to have a look, go back to, 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 to the school days. Um, and what I've done is I've, I've, I've shown you this chart because we talked about this idea that the market is pricing in rate cuts in, in 2023. Now, this isn't a trading setup, but I think this is a really important macro chart. So we go back to sort of the Western school <laughs> of, 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 uh, of, of trading view, so to speak. And what I've done is you can see the, the, the code there that I've used. 
Um, and what I've done is I've looked at euro dollar futures. So it's not like the currency. This is the interest rate markets that you can express a view on where interest rates are going to be for a specific period. And I've looked at the differential, the calendar spread effectively between the December contract uh, and the mid-year contract there, the June contract. And the difference between the two effectively is how many rate cuts are being priced into the market for that specific period. Now, this is dynamic. It changes. It goes up and down. Uh, and what, what it does is it allows us to understand the hedging that's going in uh, for for, you know, for, for how people are seeing this for next year. Now, you got down to about 60 basis points of rate cuts um, you know, a, a week or two ago. That's now come back up a little bit, just to under 50, 50 basis points. I don't think we're going to get that aggressive rate cuts for next year. But if we do, and the market has been really good at, at leading central banks and economists, you know, in, 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 in the, after the um, the pandemic, they were pricing in rate hikes, very aggressive rate hikes. Central banks were denying it. The market was right now. The, the markets at the moment are telling us that they're going to get aggressive rate cuts next year. If that's on the money, that has huge implications for our asset allocation and, and some of the trading environments that we're going to have for next year. So this is a chart that I think everyone needs to have on their radar. That's the code on TradingView. You can plug it in and uh, you can monitor rate cuts for next year as well. So any thoughts I on that, Blake? That. I, I love it because if 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 the market is pricing and rate cuts, that's good for stocks and that's good for risk. So that's all you really need to know. And if that starts to dissipate, well, you know it's going to be risk off. I think, I this think is it's a wonderful chart. I think it's interesting though because I don't think we get there in a linear fashion. We don't go just oh you know this rate cuts being priced in you know sell the dollar buy risk. What we do is we know there's going to probably be some pain along the way to get central banks into the same spot that the market's in. So the market's saying we're going to get rate cuts. It's probably a hedge against a, a recession. But, you know, if we do see a deterioration in the data, then the market might sell off until a point when the, the, the central banks acknowledge this weakness and validate the position the market's got. So it could be a really interesting one. We could see this period of weakness. Central banks acknowledge what all the, the market's already seeing. And then it's risk on, and then it's bang, sell dollars aggressively, buy rates, still yield curves steepen by the NASDAQ. So this is... Yeah, a really good forward-looking indicator, in my opinion. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, I'm going to turn your attention over to the DAX. And for the third time in 2022, this is the DAX is dead. Uh, he's called it. He's called it. There it is. Uh, the DAX is dead. Part three. All right. DAX is dead. Uh, and uh, this is going to be my chart. This is my setup. I love, I love the fact that we've backed up against the 618 retracement, Chris. I love the fact that we're rolling over right where we should be rolling over. I mean, it's at that 14,550 level, roughly. You know, you can see that horizontal resistance across the top. I think, and you can see by the circles that I've drawn, I think, again, risk reward is there. You know, if you're taking a short position and you're shorting risk, you know, maybe going into sometime later this week, maybe, you know, Thursday or maybe Wednesday or, you know, maybe maybe Friday morning or something like that. And you look to sell against that 618 retracement. Hey, as long as it, it doesn't break out, then you probably play it back down to the 200 day moving average. So I think the DAX is dead for the third time in 2022. What are your thoughts on the DAX? Is it dead? Uh, the, the term dead actually sort of symbolizes the idea that you can't come back from it. But it had a nice bounce back. But I know DAX is dead near term. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Um <laughs> but we've 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 closed below the swing low that we got on the on the 29th of November. It needs work. You know, this has got a bit of a distribution look to it. You know, if you're, if you're following your Wyckoffs and all these bits and pieces, but it's got a bit of a distribution to it. The question now is, is will this have the propensity to start trending lower? 
So for me, the signal has been provided that, yeah, we've got the lower low, we've closed below that, that swing low. The question now is, is, is will it kick? So it's aggressive to take shorts now, but certainly the red flag has been provided to the market that this, this has the propensity to start trending. So um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not buying the dead call right now, but I definitely think that, that there is, there are signs that you could be on the money there. All right. Well, I'm, I'm like I said, if we can get any bounce and risk over the next couple of days, I think selling into it gives you a great risk reward to be on the short side. And yeah, well, I think it was, and, and you know what, you could the other way to play it is is you look at the the lows that we've been seeing. Obviously, there's going to be people who are going to be watching this two days after we filmed, but you know, you just it, take the low from the last candle, which came in at what fourteen two four two, put a, a sell a sell stop below that level, and when the market breaks that, you're using the momentum. So you obviously do get a lot of failed breakouts and they can be very powerful in themselves. We talk about time and time again, but if you leave a, a sell, a sell stop below the market, if the market kicks on and it does what we think it potentially does, then you're in the trade and, you, and you're riding it down as a, as a sort of a momentum move there as well. So that's another one to look at. Anyway, let's go into play of the day and see what, uh, see what the trades are that we like most there. Yeah, we had a we had a couple of viewers talking about this idea that that we need to be probably a little bit more accountable, or maybe not being so direct as that, but you know, actually sort of having a, a performance review for um, our plays of the day and some of the other calls we make. And I'm I, I'm completely about transparency and accountability. If you're chucking it out there, uh, you know, it, it's probably a good idea to sort of live by that situation. So yeah, that's something we will definitely address and explore uh, in the new year um, uh, to to help you out, and then you'll know. Uh, that you need to be backing Blake every day of the week and fading Chris Weston. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think, and it's not, it's not a funny situation. If you are, if you're, you know, obviously advising or well, not, not advising, but just giving, you know, strong opinion. I think it's, a, it's important to have accountability uh, around that as well. And I know Blake, you're not, you're not shy about uh, addressing that as well. Anyway, let's go, let's go. So that's something we all will look at in the new year. I promise you that. Um, we want to have a look at the, my, my player of the day today um, is, um, uh, I want to do a long short strategy. Um, it's it's important to me ahead of the Fed meeting uh, to address um, some of the concerns that we have. Um, but what I've got here is is the HK50, the the Hang Seng effectively. But you could you could choose the China H shares or the CM50. Um, and I've got I've put it as a ratio on on trading view, so just dividing the, uh, that against the S and P 500, or you could use the the Russell 2000 or the Nasdaq. Effectively, I think that what I'm trying to do here by showing a ratio, and and this is unhedged. The the Hong Kong leg is in in Hong Kong dollars, and you can see the US 500 is obviously in US dollar terms. Um, but you can see if you were to hedge it, um, it wouldn't make much of a difference. We are seeing China outperform the US, and I continue to think that's going to be the case. Um, if we are going to see the US markets kick lower, I think that's going to be you're going to see significant outperformance. It's already happening at the moment. Um, for long short strategies, you know, obviously you, what you do is you start with a notional amount. I've used hundred thousand dollars here, unleveraged, and then you can work out um, your position sizing, your lot sizing, which is absolutely critical. Um, I won't go into that too much there, but that's the sort of the, the math that I'm using uh, to get you know an equal leg and a same notional either there. But for me, I think this goes higher. Why do I think that? Because I think China and, and Hong Kong continue to outperform um, US equity markets uh, and therefore, you know, putting a pairs trade long short strategy makes a lot of sense to me. So that's my play of the day. I love it, Chris. It's something actually I've been talking with our our community at Forex Analytics about this week as well. I think, you know, with the China China reopening and the issues that the US is going to face, uh, face in the next year, I think uh, that is a great, great setup. Hey, my uh, play of the day is going to be the Euro Mexican peso. And it's actually something that I did discuss 
uh, with uh, with our community today or uh, earlier today, I'm actually looking to buy dips in the Euro Mexican peso, and I want to buy dips all the way down between where we're currently at about twenty. Well, we get get about get to twenty fifty, roughly about there, all the way down to twenty thirty one. I'm going to be actually putting myself into the trade and the Euro Mex, and for an eventual breakdown in risk, which is going to benefit. The Euro Mexican peso higher. I skipped today because of the uh, we we get hit if you're if you're trading short Mexican pesos on a day like today, you get you get hit hit with margin a little bit more margin on Wednesdays from the rollover period. But on these dips over the next couple of days, I'm looking to take it long, hoping it gets down to 2030. But if it only gets down to 2050, I'll probably have a piece on. And remember, this is a false breakdown. If you look that blue line, that's the low from February 2020. Euromex couldn't break down, Dollarmex couldn't break down, and I think the euro looks pretty constructive longer term. I like the Euro Mexican peso higher for a trade, and that's going to be my play of the day, Chris. I think it's interesting, yeah. I think yeah, the idea of carry, which the Mexican peso has done so well in 2022, as being a carry currency because um, you know equity markets have had a nice rebound, and generally speaking, you know interest rates there have been very very positive for for holding Mexican paid in that. But I think you know understanding carry positions in 2023 if we were to see high recessions and long end rates come down yeah that that and, and we do talk about rate cuts then then carry positions could come under pressure that euro mex trade could work really well next year so that's i know we don't hold positions necessarily for 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 months not many people do um but it is one i think that that, that could trend uh, quite well uh, next year so one for the radar anyway if you stuck with us we really appreciate it we've got a couple of specials next week where we'll be looking at some of the outlooks and some of the key trading formatics not when, where the dollar is going to trade necessarily, but some of the key formatics that you need to understand to understand what potential market structure is going to change. So we'll be focused on that a little bit next week. Um, but anyway, if you could leave a, a comment about how you're seeing the markets, how you're trading the markets, always appreciated. Uh, hit the like button if you can. We both really appreciate that as well. And we'll see you back next week, maybe even a couple of times for the trade-off. <laughs>